And in the blink of an eye, everything changes as we don't get the match we thought we were going to get. Instead, we get one that is much, much bigger. Whether you watch Late Night Dynamite, AEW Dark, or the original AEW Dynamite on Wednesday, this is the show for you, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for Elite of the Week. Elite of the Week. We had promos, backup matches, and big debuts and returns. But before we get into all that, my name's Jack Farmer, and I'm coming to you live from the Elite of the Week studios. And if we got a show for you, brought to you as always by the Brosters, visit www.thebrosters.com. Use promo code BROCODE1 to get a discount and some swag. Before we invite on our guests and chat about everything, What's the story of AEW tonight? Every single AEW Dynamite episode has a story, and this one is no different. Tonight, the story is simple. It's a story that every single warrior knows, just innately, just instinctually. Every warrior knows this, and that is, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You see, you can, you can leave someone behind and Say to yourself that I'm leaving them so I can travel faster and farther on my own, only to wind up sitting on the sidelines as you watch them travel faster and farther without you. You can come to the aid of your best friends to save them from a brutal beating, only to find yourself, in fact, on the end of a brutal beating by some guy with big friends. And of course, you can use your dark forces to get rid of your enemy and their family only for that same enemy to turn to a darkness of their own to come back and get you. Every action that wrestlers take in AEW seems to lead them down a path to glory, but it's not long before it's that same path that brings them down. Now at this time, as always, I like to bring in some friends, some co-hosts, some people to help me chat about it. And first up, I am bringing in the man that needs no theme song. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> let's hear it for Flobo Boys. Flobo, how you doing, buddy? And ironically, I have like two theme songs. What is going on, yeah. Jack Farmer? Elite <laughs> uh, of the Week, the Wednesday Night Delight AEW Dynamite coverage. So glad to be here because I have some things I want to get off my chest this week. I can't wait to hear them. But before you say anything, I am bringing on the man that is so easy to hate, but so hard to leave. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it's Jim Alexander. Jim, how are you doing? Well, I am very easy to hate, and uh, no one's leaving me. They're coming to me. So there we go. Quals, well, yeah. Chisel jaw. No. Say you're losing the COVID weight, bro. I see you working out. I, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I've been hitting the gym every day. Hey, yeah, I, see I got a girlfriend now, man, and it ain't Mandy or Liv Morgan. Okay, this is really real. Jim, Jim, you're doing it backwards. When you get the girlfriend, you put the weight on. You yeah, lose dude, your weight when you're single. <laughs> pro <laughs> tip, pro tip. Hey, she's taking me to restaurants, man, so we <laughs> get back on. But I, <laughs> I got to work out every day, you know? You know there you go. Gyms are open out in Chicago, so take advantage oh, of okay. it. <laughs> Very cool. Well, speaking of being open, Daly's place is open, and they're inviting people in. We have a real crowd now. Uh, general overall thoughts of this week's episode, fellas? 
Mm, it was an interesting take for me, man. I, I saw like the the notice a couple hours before the main event had been changed. This is this is kind of funny because I was like, what about Hobbs? <laughs> you know, uh, unfortunately, due to Lance Archer's condition, it was going to be a one-on-one matchup with uh, your boy Eddie Kingston, who I always say looks like my girl ex-girlfriend's dad. Uh, but but I, I, was, I thought it was awesome because I got a chance to even give Will Hobbs some, some time in there. I enjoyed it. It was not the greatest episode of Dynamite, but a lot of things happened that make me go, you got to watch this episode. It's almost a must-see. Yeah, Jim, I haven't heard your thoughts on AEW in a minute. How did you feel about this episode? Listen, I've been AEW is the only wrestling I'm watching these days, which is kind of crazy, you know, because it took me a while to join a party, <laughs> not private yeah. party, no pun intended. <laughs> but but yeah, now I, I mean I'm hooked. So uh, I like what they're doing. I think they're being so creative uh, in a week in to week out during these times. I mean, even like the seamless introductions. Like here we have Miro just showing up in the middle of a show, not even like planning at the end, completely uh, catching us by surprise with the Kip, Kip Sabian announcement. I just like how they're just they're they're in a flow. I feel like, and every week you're getting something from it. So even like flow, if it's a more of a like a down episode, it's still good. You know, we're, we're, oh, we're fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. It's not like yeah. we're we're talking about down episodes when we were talking about like raw or smack. Like, oh, this sucked. You know, but yeah. I think they don't go off the rails. You know, when their right. down episodes are just. Because the other episodes, like you can't, you can't debut everyone every week. You can't have shockers every other week. So when we don't get it, it's like, well, it, it was a good episode, but not great. Because I think our expectations for it are so high now with what they've been delivering for throughout this quarantine, really. That, that's yeah. the one thing I give AEW credit for. Like the, even the shows that are off are like so close to shows that are on that you really can't yeah. say it's bad or it sucks. You know? And this, and this would have been an episode that if it was down, you couldn't really blame them. They had built towards a main event tonight that was going to have Lance Archer and a team against John Moxley and a team. But news broke. Lance Archer had come in contact with someone who had COVID, so he had to be off the show, and they had to pivot. And I always talk about how AEW has layers, and they have all these different things on the back burner. And this is where it really saved them because they were able to pull um, – Eddie Kingston and say, Hey, you'll have a title match. Cause he's been hinting at saying he was never eliminated from that battle Royal. He's mm -hmm. been hinting at saying he kind of deserves it. Uh, at the top of the show, I talked about how you live by the sword. You die by the sword. If you want to be a tough guy that cuts killer promos and says, you're going to outfight someone who knows how to fight. It's going to come back and haunt you. And a guy who can cut killer promos who can fight and brawl is going to come after you. He, they go head to head. John Moxley, Eddie Kingston. I loved the promo. I love the fire. I love that they sold this match over the course of a promo, even though, look, I'll just lead in. I understand. Every time you're a challenger, the, you're the underdog. Every time you're a champion, you're the uh, favorite. I think that's what we got in this match today. But from the pivot to the match to the actual match to the promos and everything, uh, Flobo, let me ask you, what did you yeah. think of this performance? So I was worried. I was When I saw the graphic that was announced earlier today, uh, having any kicks in the minute, I was worried. Because the one thing AEW swore up and down is that we're going to hold to these rankings as hard and fast and biblical as possible. But, you know, Eddie comes out with a promo saying, look, man, I'm undefeated, technically speaking. I didn't lose this match. So if you want to put someone in the mix, why not do that? Why not give me that shot? And I go, I'll allow it. <laughs> what I got was definitely the kind of match I enjoyed. We didn't think Moxie's going to lose his title on a random Wednesday in September. No. But uh, as, as a fan of, of the East Coast uh, culture, I could be like, yo, Eddie, you got choked the hell out, dog. Oh, snap. <laughs> so it was a good yeah. match all around. 
Now, I'm curious to hear your takes on this, Jim. What are your thoughts on Eddie Kingston? Well, here's the thing. When Flo was talking about it, for me, I don't know. I think the one thing about it, I just don't see him. I think he's a talker. I, I think he's more of a manager to me. Like a guy can go in a ring, obviously, but he's presented as a manager. When he's bringing in, you know, uh, kind of the butcher and a blade together and, you know, with um, the – yeah, Lucha Bros. Uh, I was gonna say Luchasaurus for a second. Uh, <laughs> cool. but like he's like he's a uniter. You know what I mean? Like he he for me is like a talking head. He's kind of the I don't want to go WWE, but the MVP. You know that's his role, and mm-hmm. like he's got a similar role to that. So I don't see him as like a main kind of title contender guy. I don't see him. I, I see him as a guy who can wrestle if needed, part of a faction match or anything like that. But he's more of a faction leader and talking head. So for me to see him in this match, granted, Fobo, like you mentioned, he swerved his way into it, you know, I mean, you can, and, and it made sense, but I just don't see him in those sort of matches. I just see him part of a stable, you know, he's in a match because of the stable or whatnot. He's more, to me, of a talking figure, a manager uh, that's a wrestler kind of role than a guy that's a contender for any type of upper echelon spot. So I think he's a good talker. I like what he does as a leader of a faction. I don't like him as a singles kind of a title contender or a contender in general. Yeah, he, he seems like the kind of guy that's always going to be a tough out when you have him. I don't know if I ever see him hoisting the strap himself, per se. Uh, but I, you mentioned he's a great on the mic. He's great as a leader. And that showed today at the end, too, when his boys came out and helped uh, lay a beat down on the... Uh, on the on the good fellas, we'll call them. But Darby Allen shows up like Sting from the Rafters, but this time on a skateboard. Ricky Starks comes out, and it's this weird mix of different uh, factions sort of coming together because you have Taz's group with Ricky Starks out there. You have Eddie Kingston's group with the Lucha Brothers. You have Moxley out there. Do you think, uh, Jim, watching this, do you think this is one of those entanglements that they're just going to kind of undo going forward? And this was sort of a, uh, something they were, were kind of stuck with because Archer wasn't there. And they're all thrown together now, but going forward, they'll go their separate ways. Or do we think Ricky Starks and, and Team Taz might work with the Kingston guys a little bit? I don't know. I think it's one of those things where there's multiple teams and they're kind of like, oh, my enemy is, you know, you're, we're, we're, our enemy is kind of what bonds us together sort of thing. I don't see them growing into a bigger stable because you have the leaders, right? You have Kingston and you have Taz as the talking heads, kind of managers of their respective groups. So it wouldn't make sense for two talking heads to kind of join together and make them a stable. Like, two, like it's different when you have, um, you, you know, Jericho being the sole leader of a, of a group, you know, versus them where where the talking head is kind of trying to put over the talents, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think Brian Cage and, and Ricky are being put over in a sense by Taz because, you know, some people might not be that familiar with Brian Cage from Impact, right? But I, I think they're, they're used. So for them to combine together, it's a little bit too big of a mess only on a on a special night maybe like oh for tonight we are joining forces but that's it so i i don't see these groups forming like a bigger bigger group together because i think they're better separate as a separate entity and which is great because we love the uh, aew factions that's what they do great too so let's let's keep them separate let's see who comes out on top and who who what individual out of these groups actually gets elevated to a uh, higher ranking or a higher status, a championship level. 
Yeah, and speaking of people coming together to form something strong, us three came together along with everyone in the chat and everyone watching live. And I want to take a quick moment to say thank you to everyone for doing that. If you could do me a huge favor, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, leave a comment, share it with your friends. Let's grow this show. Why not? What else are you doing? Uh, speaking of things that we were doing. Uh, They're not walking after bus TV, that's for sure. <laughs> We uh, don't speak that name in this house. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I don't want to bring uh, out the dead. The dead's been buried already. Right. <laughs> not the Undertaker here. Yeah. So we had uh, we had a match for the TNT title: Orange Cassidy versus Brody Lee. Uh, I want to start off first. It had Orange Cassidy's win loss record at ten and five. I am flabbergasted. We've had fifty. Orange Cassidy matches. I didn't <laughs> expect that to happen. Um, uh, Flobo, I want to ask you this because this is something that I feel like is up your alley with someone like a an Orange Cassidy. Doesn't it seem out of character that he's taking title shots? Like he's supposed to be a guy that doesn't care, right? Absolute, like why is he? Dude, Jack, yeah, yeah. I heard, I saw that. I heard that. I'm like, this is going to benefit nobody. I can imagine Orange Cassidy be sitting in the lounge somewhere and say, "Hey, you want TNT title shot?" He's like, thumbs up. You know, I I don't get it at all. Here is somebody that beat Chris Jericho not once, not twice, but thrice. And here's Brody Lee, somebody that that destroyed Cody Rose. We'll get to that later. I'm sure we will. And so we have this match where you're like, man. If Orange Cassidy wins, that'd be cool. But was that that probably will break the story with Cody? But if he loses, much like how we did, we we think you would did because Brody Lee is literally two times his size. It just totally flattens Orange Cassidy. Chris Jericho's probably punching the air right now. Be like, what? That's all it takes? A lariat? Really? I had no idea. I was so disappointed. Uh, but you're right. The character of Orange Cassidy is probably cool and fine if someone told him he had a match, but he wouldn't go for it. He wouldn't go on his own. Now, Jim, I know you love it when smaller guys have matches. Oh, uh, oh, so I want to I want to ask you, how did you feel about are, – are you an Orange Cassidy fan, and how did you feel about him in this match with Brody Lee? I will disagree with you, Flo. Well, I thought it was it was fitting that they would wrestle each other. Why? Because Orange Cassidy has been being pushed, and he's gotten wins over Jericho, which is basically the face of AEW. So if you get multiple wins over Jericho, you kind of have to get a title shot at some point. You need to validate those wins, right? These aren't wins that you just kind of like – put in a win com it needs to lead to something right AEW always tracks the record to to get you a title shot the more yeah. wins you get a you get a major win multiple times over jericho one of the top three stars in a company by far you earned a title shot so for me seeing that match and not only was it warranted for orange cassidy to get that title shot and especially with the T tnt title i think that's the right title for him to have a match not not the a moxley aew title but the thing was it was a contrast of styles you have a small guy which i love so much uh versus a big bruiser and it's like will orange cassidy's win streak continue can he pull off the david versus goliath thing or will Brody Reed like who loses here? Because both guys are arguably have been the two hottest guys in the company for the past month and a half or two months. They've been picking up wins. They've been destroying people. I mean, you know, in, in Brody Lee's case, who comes out here? I literally thought it could have gone either way. I, I like that Brody Lee continues what he does because I think he is the most imposing and dominant force right now in AEW. 
Um, and I think you need to keep it that way. I think he is headed for a, a AW championship run pretty soon. I think we're seeing that build. Um, and I, I think you need to keep on building him as a mauler and destroyer as a feared entity. So someone had to get a loss. And I think Orange Cassidy doesn't really hurt him to lose to a Brody Lee who, who demolished a Cody and has been demolishing everyone. So I thought... Uh, I like the booking, and, and I like what came out of it. See, that's where I disagree with you. I understand on paper, yeah, man, he won those matches against Jericho, who is a living legend. But the thing is, Orange Cassidy came out of his shell, put that gimmick aside to somehow get over on Jericho because he made it personal. And he goes directly back to gearing up after the bell and doing the light kicks and stuff. What I'm saying is that feud with Jericho, while important, was a pure victory. Because now it seems kind of like a gimmick and not what Orange Cassidy's about. But other than that, I think you're right. Brody Lee is imposing. He should have won tonight, handedly. I get it. But like, am I going to be looking forward to the next Orange Cassidy match? I'm but it doesn't sure. make him look bubble. It doesn't make him look worse losing to a Brody Lee. Had he lost to someone else, you know, I mean, some mid-carder in a sense, then then we can talk about like, uh. He's a mid-card champion. What are you talking about? Huh? <laughs> Brody Lee's a mid-card champion. There's no more mid-card than Brody. I, I just think he's holding a mid-card championship and he is still getting, rising to a top heel and a top champion spot. I think he's he's rising to main event level. And I think he, him just holding a TNT strap is in a sense – just a precursor to where he's heading. He's rising still. He's not going down. He's going up. He's demolishing people. He's getting clean victories. I think this is just, a, it's like holding a title because that's the first opportunity he, in a sense, got one and, and it showed his streak of domination. It started with winning that TNT title. And I think he's going, he's going places higher than that. So for him to hold that title, he can drop at any time because I see bigger things for him. I got I to gotta agree with Jim on this one because I think, one, going to uh, the, the point of him not taking things seriously anymore, I think the message there is Orange Cassidy is going to Orange Cassidy. He's not going to let it get to his head, which is kind of that in that character's vein. And I think what, what I liked about the way this match unfolded is Brody Lee came off vicious and mean and doing some big moves, even yelling and belittling his own teammates like an abusive father at a softball game. And uh, Orange Cassidy... Orange Cassidy took it. He took everything and kept coming. So even though he fell short, I think he comes off as this very durable, very fighting champion in his own weird way. And as far as it being a mid-card title, I would argue that I get I get the point, but I still think when it's a new title, there's still a little bit of extra flair to it. I mean, it's coming off of Cody having it, and now Brody Lee. Will it settle in somewhere different? Sure. But right now, I think it still has that you know, kind of flair to it. Like when the North American title first came around in NXT and it was like Adam Cole running with it and, and bigger names running with it. And it wasn't quite just the middle yet is my, my thoughts on that. Um, the, the, before we get into the, um, actually, no, I, I, there's a return. There's clearly a return. That's one of the big stories too. I also think the safe, Orange Cassidy a little bit because no one was thinking about him losing afterwards because this return happened. It was uh, the vampire Cody who came back all dressed in black, um, black hair. I think Miro stole all of his hair dye. Um, <laughs> and uh, and he's back. And uh, as I said in the, at the top, you know, if you want to be the dark order using the dark arts to get rid of your enemies, they're going to come back like a vampire, but now they're one of you. Now they're evil. Um Jim, how do you feel seeing possibly the, the tease of a darker Cody? 
Well, the thing is, since he's been in AEW, he he he's been a face, but he's had the most darkest kind of pers deepest persona we've ever seen him. I know he's had a lot of gimmicks in WWE, you know, with the mangled face and all that. But but the thing is, what this is this has been from the start a fighting kind of badass Cody. We've never seen a kind of a weak or, or you know, just a like nice guy, Cody. We've seen a guy with a chip in on his shoulder from day one, and it's been escalating. I think Cody's build and, and arc has been great because you've seen this coming. He started out kind of like, you know, the American Nightmare. I mean, that's the nickname of, of his from the start. And he's just kind of becoming more badass. Remember that cage match that we were talking about, Jack, where he went off mm -hmm. the top of the cage backflip? Mm -hmm. this, is, this is a Cody that's that's a badass, that takes risks, that, that's, that's someone to be, you know, totally to be reckoned with. And I think this move, after he gets demolished, basically, by Brody Lee, the only way to, to counter Brody Lee uh, and come face-to-face -face with him and have a chance is to go even darker, to go to a, to a deeper place, you know what I mean, to a darker place, because you got to fight with darkness in that sense. So I like this. This is, this is almost a Sting-like kind of move for Cody in his career and... I, I just think there's no negatives about it. I mean, you can always bring him down to be a cheery baby face, but he's been a badass, badass face uh, with, with just being tough from the start. And I like it. Something that happened after the match, too, after commercial break, I, I agree with you on all fronts, by the way, Jim. The, um, the promo by Brody Lee afterwards, just intense, just angry, spit flying. I'm sure we only saw half the spit because the mustache probably caught most of it, but there was still other spit coming. And I love that he's talking about how he's been undeniable using Cody's old words against him, putting in the work, using Cody's old words against him. Some people have had varying opinions of Brody Lee since he's come to AEW and, and the promises of what he was going to be. Flobo, is this yeah. what you wanted to see from Brody Lee when he left the WWE and came to AEW? Is he living up to that potential and hype? That's hard to say because I had no idea what a Luke Harper ceiling was. I, I'll be mm -hmm. honest with you. like He was with the Bludgeon Brothers for so long. He's been tied to Bray Wyatt. When he went out on his own, I go, well, well hey, more, more power to you. Hope you got a place to eat and wrestle. But I didn't expect this. This was what uh, was like the Cody formula, right? When, when Stardust left WWE, we knew we had talent. But we didn't know what kind of talent. And we saw that going through Japan. So much of the fact that when he came in, one of your former colleagues, Jessica O'Connor, said in AEW, he was what? Hey. Buff, buff Bill Clinton, right? <laughs> came back, beach blonde hair, did his thing. Uh, so we're seeing the evolution of those two men. And you were saying, Jim, about, about Cody's evolution. I have not seen if his moves that changes. I hope it does. But I don't think it's so much of a darkness or so much of an evolution, but him going into, like, almost going a step Almost, almost like an alternate timeline. Before he had to be a corporate guy, before he had to be the executive director of whatever operation. This is me, pure wrestling. As far as Brody Lee, when he came in and fought Mox, and it was pretty much a done deal, I go, oh man, is it done before it's over? So if he's even started, is the Dark Order is like worthless? But what we've seen over the past six weeks is the Dark Order proven that the writing staff can make this almost dying storyline reheated and rehashed and now one of the biggest threats in all divisions. I mean, Brandy had a match with Anna uh, uh, Jay just yesterday. Anna yeah. Jay just yesterday. Um, and she, not even if she, she pinned Brandy, he choked her out. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that just goes to show you that like, hey, you know, if you got the right, right staff being able to say, okay, we have our tools, Brody's a monster, let's make everyone work. 
But here's the thing. Brody exceeded expectations. Any expectation. We didn't know if the guy could talk. We never saw him talk at all. Maybe just a couple words in a vignette. This guy can cut solid, legitimate promos that are intimidating and intense. I mean, I had no idea this guy was that skilled on the mic. That's the thing. You could always make him into a bruiser and kind of a brawler and a badass because of his size and look, right? He looks intimidating he, in, in every sense. But the guy takes it to another level with his intensity and his promos. What he does with Shivani, those little you know things that those little snippets there, they're they're always fun too, and and it makes him look like he he could knock anyone out, you know, whether you're a commentator or not. Like he's a scary guy to be around, and I just think that with Brody Lee, there's a potential that I didn't even know that got on that got completely untapped in AEW. The guy is a main event star talent and we're talking about and i never could have imagined that before i just think he's exceeded any expectation and we see all his tools and abilities utilized in AEW that we didn't know he had i thought they've done a marvelous job with him since he joined he has what i call scramble yelling where like if he yells at a group like that everyone just scatters you know everyone scrambles <laughs> and gets away he just has that like certain people will yell and like, yeah you sound loud or you sound mean but you, I feel like he's going to hit somebody. Like He's a dangerous person to be around. I don't know if it's because of his crazy beard and hair and just the whole look, but he okay. seems like that scary, crazy guy that's going to actually attack somebody. Uh, somebody's been attacking people, but not because they're crazy. The Young Bucks, we've got a quick little video of them. They've been uh, not so friendly, not so fun lately, kicking people, getting names wrong, broke Tony's phone, uh, but they seem to throw money everywhere. Flobo, I feel like I want to follow the Young Bucks and hope I can catch some of that cash, even yeah. if it means taking a super kick to the face. Um, some shades of uh, shades of evil from uh, the, the Young Bucks. How do you feel about this? Shades of evil. Look, I got to be honest with you, and I apologize. Rejected names there. for the Dark Order, by the way. <laughs> shades of evil. Uh, right. I got to be honest with you guys. For, uh, wrestling fans, the worldwide, my hate mail, check me out at Flobo Boys. I was never... A fan of the Young Bucks. I just thought they just didn't take it seriously. They were so good at the posing on the side. And, and I went to go see PWG back in the day at Mystery Vortex 4. And they would call their moves out to the crowd. Like, I'm going to hit him with a super kick. And he'd do it. I Hell thought yeah. Were, I thought they were an entire circus. Now, that said, evil Young Bucks, I'm on board. Because you know what? I can see you guys being like, look, man, I've been doing this for so long. We're not at some level. We're not getting the respect we deserve. Whatever, whatever that the reason is. Or this is why we're acting about it. Um, it's cool. It's a little bit of a mystery, a little bit of fun. I'm down with it. At least something that compels me to say, what's up with you, Matt and Nick? Yep. Yeah. So now I want to kind of pivot from there to the sort of something else that happened. And Jim, this one, we'll, we'll kind of talk to you about this one is uh, Evil Uno had a match with Hangman Adam Page. Uh, and uh, I want to. First off, I mean, just real quickly, I want to say, Evil Uno turned it up. Like, I've always thought of him as kind of a, a sideshow guy, but he. All right. Kind of, He's he he looks like he's slimmed down. He had a really good match here. Um, Kenny Omega also, uh, you know, he broke away, thinking I'm going to be the singles guy now. I don't need to be in this tag team. But every week we see him sitting on the sidelines talking about the guy he left 
to actually doing what Kenny Omega said he was going to do. Uh, are we going to get some of the, uh, the the cleaner, as they call him in Japan? Any any evil Kenny? Or what do you think's going on with Kenny Omega these days? Well, they better damn do it sooner or later because we're talking about Brody Lee being one of the best utilized guys that, that was able to shine and the stuff they're doing. Cody, for me, there's been no bigger disappointment and – overblown hype than Kenny Omega in wrestling and all of wrestling. Ooh. I mean, that guy is a, is a complete to me. He's just, he's not the goods. He's the, he's completely the fake, uh, fake promise. He's the lemon, uh, of the thing because Ooh. when he build coming in to America, whether it was WWE or whatever impact he was going to sign before AW, Steve Austin was talking about, this is the biggest star to watch how impressed he was. I expected star. Okay. What I've seen from Kenny Omega is just a mid Carter at best. And, and, and I'm being polite there and stressing that and, and saying that lightly too. Uh, this guy should have been in a position that Jericho is. He should have shown, but it's not, it's not because of his booking. I just don't think he's connected uh, with the audience, with anyone. I just find him to be bland and just a curly haired dude uh, with nothing really to offer that's special and his stupid little things. Like, Joey yells into the chat. <laughs> I, I need Kenny Omega to beat something. It's been over a year, dude, and you have not gone over in any way. And this, if this is not now, then it's never going to be. He needs to get this feud with with Adam Page, and it needs to hit. It needs to be a grand slam, not even a home run. He needs to show all that hype and justify what was being talked about him in Japan as this talked about guy. Because there's other guys that were talked about in Japan, and and look at their tracker. They're doing pretty good. The AJ Styles, the the Finn Balor's, they they've made a mark. Kenny Omega has not made a mark in the United States. So whatever that whole thing. Uh, with the Chinese tapes that people watch and talk about Kenny Omega, I have not seen it here. I have not seen it here. Tapes it don't have a nationality. It's <laughs> time for him to unleash that toolbox if he even has one. I need to see what Kenny Omega is made of because right now he's a pretender to me and has been. In in Jim's defense, the tapes were made in China, and that's okay. what he's trying yeah. to say. That's exactly. Uh, that tape's dead. And all due respect to Kenny Omega's hair, I believe it's an homage to uh, in St. Justin Timberlake. So well, I give okay. it a pass. Timberlake is over. He isn't. Okay. So let's. <laughs> Wow, yeah. I had a follow-up I was going to go on to the next thing, but Flobo, I need you to respond. Your take on Kenny Omega. Look, man, I'll be the first one to agree with you, Jim. I would say here in AEW, what we've seen of Kenny Omega is a fraction of what he's done in Japan. But the thing is, he got what is six stars. Flobo? What am I missing? Is it promo work? Because I don't think his promos are good at all. They're mm. mediocre at best. His mm. in-ring work is boring. I compare him to a Shinsuke Nakamura because Shinsuke was so overhyped in Japan. He came to WWE and really didn't make a mark, and, and he never really did. He never yeah. came through. But with Shinsuke, there was a language barrier in a lot of ways. There, there's reasons why he couldn't do things on a mic that might have translated him. But with Kenny Omega, I mean, what am I missing here? Because I don't see anything special at all with this guy. I will admit there's there's a bit of, I'll say 30% of it is Mystique because he was the biggest signing not signed by Vince. So like, almost like Sting was back in the day. So I'll, Three I'll Sting give... references, by the way, so far in this episode. We could do a lot more. <laughs> uh, but, but, but I will say this. What, what Kenny Omega excelled at 
was having those 35, 45, 55 minute matches with hard style talent. And the, the stamina to tell a story that does not seem repetitive and the literal stamina of your heart not exploding inside of your chest put him in the elite category. What's the problem with American style wrestling? Ad breaks. That kills anything when it comes to anyone that comes over here from, from Japan. But what happened with Kenny Omega? He got in a match with Moxley, which everyone would tell you that match was dope. It was great. But then it got moved over to the tag team division. That was not nearly as as uh, mystique as it is. Now, Kenny is a team player. He wants AEW work. He's willing to put himself off the card to get more time for the women or the tag team division. And he's been too nice. But I will not say he's lame or boring or bland. It's just that he's not. he can't play in the system as well as his other contemporaries can. Well, I, I, I liken him to a big free agent signing. Let's say in a sports, right? You sign a guy to a max contract, and you're expecting max value in return. You're expecting yeah. to to get the production he did in Japan. But when you, when you get a, a, you know, a dime on a dollar uh, production, it, it, that's just not warranted. He was supposed to be the, one of the top three faces along with Jericho and Cody of AEW. It was him. Right. And True. right now he's not even in that Mount Rushmore, not even close to it. He's not even in the top 10 of AEW right now. I disagree with that, but it comes down to system, man. Remember when Mark Sanchez was in the Wildcat offense and did the Jets? The wrong system, the wrong guys will cause a breakdown. I don't think the yeah. first year of AEW, it didn't work for Kenny Omega. But Mark now, Sanchez man, sucks, and so Kenny Omega's not far behind him right now. I'm Show not me saying stuff. Kenny Omega's and Mark Sanchez. I'm saying systems and players do matter when it comes to things. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think in, in Kenny's defense here, this is the second time. By the way, each of us made a, uh, a, a, a Sting reference. So it's a uh, we're one, one, and one on the Sting references <laughs> so far. The, um, but uh, the, I think what happened with Kenny is he was you using the, the, the max contract analogy. I think they a lot of us thought they were signing a scorer, but they got an assist guy. Because right now, I think what Kenny has done is brought Hangman Adam Page up to that level. I think at the beginning of the year and without Kenny Omega, I don't know where we feel about Hangman. When AEW started, I'll admit, I was not a Hangman guy. I wasn't, wasn't into it. Wasn't. I, didn't, I didn't like him. Right now, he's probably my favorite wrestler going uh, because enough. the story he's telling. Um, I got to ask, before I get into the story, Flobo, I want you to rank something for me, okay? Uh -oh. I love ranking things. I want you to rank. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you some things. I want you to start with the worst and end with the best. Okay. Okay. Trunks or buttless chaps? <laughs> I, I Oh man. I say I, it. I can't say it. <laughs> Buttless chaps are worse. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't say that without such a face. Buttless chaps are stupid. Depends on who. Depends on so, who. So <laughs> Mandy. Man, so, oh, I'm, I'm all buttless sheds there. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, on the title card, for those who missed the joke, last week, uh, Flo and I talked about Hangman's tights and whether or not we like the, the trunks or the pants. And yeah. uh, Flobo was a, a, a hard trunks for him. guy. For him. A hard trunks guy. He for wrote him. hard on the trunks. Uh, I, I'm a fan of the, the buttless chaps looking tights. But he said on his name card today he's sticking with the pants. He went with the pants. Um, but all jokes aside, I just like for character, right? He's a cowboy in a sense. Yeah. Wouldn't they wear like pants? That would be the top. You wouldn't wear yeah. trunks. Well, cowboy strippers wear. No, I don't know. No. <laughs> but the t the tights have a cool chaps design. It looks like ch chaps on the tights. That's what. But I like saying buttless chaps. It's buttless is a fun word to say. So I say no buttless. No one's ever referred sometimes. to it as buttless. Okay, <laughs> it's a family show. But the fact you say buttless, this is, it makes it weird. It sounds like an insult you say because your parents don't allow you to curse at home. Buttless. 
<laughs> well, I like trunks, man. That's a trunk. I just want you to take buttless chaps seriously. But what I'm saying with all this is with all this done, I feel like Hangman has become this guy that we're all rooting for, whether and is whether it's because he's overcoming the drinking or doing more drinking or he's winning these matches we don't think he's going to win or he's he's becoming this like fighting hero that we can all connect to. I think right now he's the guy I'm most invested in and I want to see do big things. And again, I can't reiterate when AW started, I almost brushed them off completely because I was like, Hangman, who's Hangman versus Jericho? What right. is this all well, that's about? That's the problem, Jack. They threw him out too early. That's like bringing in a rookie and putting him into the starting lineup in a playoff game. He just wasn't ready for the spotlight. And he was in a, in a first AW World title match. Look at the, the names on this roster that they even had back then. And for him to get that opportunity against Jericho, that was way too big of a spotlight on him way too early before anyone knew anything about him. I think now he's finally come into his own. It took him time. So now you're seeing the potential in him. Now you're seeing the rookie finally kind of spread his wings and develop and, and, and be comfortable with himself. That was way too early for him to be put in that spotlight. That's why I think it didn't hit initially. Look, I, I ultimately agree with you, but I, I don't blame AEW for doing that. And I think it reminds me of, of, of like a baseball. You know, you could be a superstar in AAA, but when you get the call up, it takes time to adjust. In Japan, Hangman was hot. It made sense on paper at the time to have Hangman versus Jericho. That's a match I wanted to see. But again, for most American audiences, Jericho is a guy that was in, what, the two of the biggest promotions of all time, multiple-time champion and rock star, if you're into that kind of thing, versus a guy go, oh, he's a cowboy post-Austin. What a ripoff. And that's what the mistake was. But, I mean, putting Japan stats in there, he was hot. I don't, I don't blame him for doing that at all. Oh, if you're into rock and roll, but buttless chaps is something weird. I'm not saying that <laughs> phrase ever again. <laughs> uh, so, Jim, I have, a, I have a follow-up question for you. So just like using math, if you have an A-plus Kenny Omega and yep. let's say a C-minus Hangman, do you think long-term it's a good roster move to maybe move Hangman to a B-plus and move Hangman up to a B-plus? Do you it, think that's a, that, yeah. does that equal out in that world? Yeah, if we can get to that point, if these two, like, this is their kind of opportunity. This is their opportunity. They're getting that opportunity and moment in, in, in this feud, and it's been built up a long time. I mean, if you talk about their tag team run, this is a long time brewing feud, so the payoff needs to hit. So this is the way to finally, let's see the best of Kenny Omega. You know, he, he's familiar with Hangman. They're, they're friends. I mean, this needs to hit on everyone. And I think if Kenny Omega is that assist guy you're talking about, he can bring Hangman to the level he can reach at, that, that his potential tells him to. And Kenny Omega, in that sense, could elevate him to that. And in turn, Kenny Omega can look good doing that. So th they need to hit on this. If they mess this up or if this doesn't go over, this could be a major downfall. They could be buried, both of them, down on the on the depth chart in a sense. You know, we will never see kind of the Adam Page that, that we were – hoping to see and Kenny Omega the same thing with him it, it, this is their opportunity they need to swim not sink I have a, a question for you Flobo it's a it's a quick yes or no um, well I guess two part one uh, Evil Uno sent the Dark Order back to the backstage during his match um, do you think that this was just a way to get the Dark Order out of there so that they could have a clean finish uh, or do you think this is a character beat for Evil Uno a change in him and two part two of this is uh did Evil Uno impress you tonight? I, I don't think we've ever really talked about him. I, I don't think he's ever been the most impressive guy, but today I thought he did pretty good. Did, did he impress you, Flobo? And is this a character beat? 
Uh, I don't think it's character beat. I think it's just a storytelling thing to get to get the people out, out of the off screen. Uh, Evil Lund did not press me tonight, but I will say he's trending up. I think if you look at the last three performances of Evil Uno, collectively, I'm like, this guy has, has 10x, as they say in the venture capital world. So <laughs> I, I don't give this performance as any better than the last one, but like compared to like two months ago, three months ago, it's a different Evil Uno. I'm not sure if it's because he's hitting the gym or he has like uh, more time because he usually just takes a lot of the heat, but uh, I think it's a different character. and It makes Dark Order that much stronger. There's a different character on Dynamite tonight, and he's... He's just a big old slab of juicy beef, and his name is Miro. Oh, right. Now, Jim, you are—I'm just gonna say—you got you're like best friends with the best man, Miro. Hey, that's right. Listen, I get some credit jacked. for him being an AEW. Okay, due to some things that were said in an interview, I think it led his path to where he is. I am taking some credit for that. Yeah, he uh yeah, in case for viewers and listeners if you haven't seen it, Jim had a very tell-all interview with Miro before he left WWE. Before he left WWE. Yeah. That's breaking news. Well, it trended down after that interview. Literally, you can time things up and see when when how yeah. that's what he's saying. You got him fun. Yeah. So, yeah. so let me so yeah. Kind of a new look for Miro, not just I mean, he had I mean, I got to say it again, dude. That guy just was a mountain of muscle and just he has the new tights or I guess shorts. He's got the different hair. What did you make of Miro in his first match in AEW, Jim? Well, what, it's kind of what I made of him in his debut. I, I was kind of talking to Flobo, you know, off air and in both of you. It just kind of. It was surprising uh, because he he really teased it well because like you know he's talking about he's leaving wrestling he's becoming the tw professional twitcher he was like teasing impact if anything so it was a surprise and it's a completely different change I think for once Miro's doing things Miro's way right this is who he wants to be right so you got to give him credit for whether it's the hair the outfits this is completely a 180 remove of what we know him to be the bulgarian brute and i think i like it because the thing about this it adds some more color and character to him right because we know he can be a brute and it's just such a generic character you know ass kicker bulgarian whatever now we 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 have options with Miro, right? We we are seeing a whole different side of him that we never seen. We don't know where it's leading to. When he's a Bulgarian brute, we know the end goal, right? We know the start, middle, and and end where where this character goes. With with him now, I don't know if he's eventually he should be a main event player. He he should be in a main event scene, but he can. He has already the credibility where he can work mid-card and be still over as a main eventer and elevate the mid-card and just show us the flavor inside of Miro we never seen. I'm curious to see him. I, I think it was good tonight, what I what we saw from him. And I'm I'm interested to see him more because I feel like there's a lot to take in still that we haven't seen. And with him having creative control in that sense, we are seeing a real personality shine without Lana, without any other restrictions. We are going to get, I think, the best of Miro as we did with Brody Lee in AEW. One of my favorite parts about this match was Tony putting over rowing. If you know me, I'm a, I became obsessed with rowing lately. I don't know what that's all about. But anyways. It's um, compact. It works every muscle group. It's a, it's, it's I do it at the gym. A rowing machine. Yeah. Yeah. I, love, I love the rower. I'm all about rowing these days. Uh, Flobo, do you, 
you know, we had a, a show on the Wrestling Chatter. We talked with George Hermosa. Uh, those watching, check out the Wrestling Chatter where we talked about Rusev and kind of his departure from WWE. Are you uh, bullish on uh, old Miro now that he's in AEW and now that you've seen him in the ring? Or is he kind of where you thought he'd be? Are you selling your stock in him? Where do you see him now as opposed to where he was when he was leaving the WWE? Yeah, I'm absolutely bullish. And it seems like there's going to be a plan for Miro more so than Matt Cardona because where has he been? Uh, well, uh, the thing is about. Where has he ever been? Well, I mean, I like Zack Ryder. Well, you know it. Uh, <laughs> the thing about WWE's characterizations is always been a giant blind. They're going to bite you, but don't change it. Is they're easy to give you a nationality thing. Irish Attic, Scottish Psychopath, Jamaican be crazy Kofi. So when you have the Bulgarian brute or the Russian brute, depending on where he was, because it flip a couple times, <laughs> you know what that means. We have Miro now. Um, I mean, he's from Belarus, and he changed that. You can't be a bruiser. You can't be a guy that is arrogant. You can't be a guy that works for money like a Wardlow or like the Tyler Breeze in his own way. There's a lot more options week to week. And over time, you can see what works and what doesn't. So it's not like if the Bulgarian proves at WrestleMania, he came out and was like, I really like Shakespeare. It's like, boo. <laughs> There's really a chance, which I appreciate. So he mess with it with his global stream out there. Okay. So he doesn't say anything bad about it. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so Jim, I, I want to follow up with you yeah. now. He's paired up with with Kip Sabian. I, I, I now they look like they're 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 buddy buddy, but I don't know. I get this man has to be. <laughs> I, I get this feeling. A wedding's coming up in wrestling, and in weddings in wrestling never go according to plan. I feel like Miro and Kip and Penelope something's not going to work there. Am I crazy or are they going to become a tag team? Where do you think that pairing is going? Oh, I think he's going to show him the best man and, and this is going to be the best turn at the wedding. I think we're going to see Miro. It's weird. Cause I think he works as a face. I think his character, everything dictates him as a face. You might even see Kip somehow turn on him or piss Miro off in a way where Miro could be a face and still take him out. I, I don't see them being a tag team. I think one guy is is completely well above in terms of credibility and, and just, you know, star potential and everything over the other one. I, I think Kip would always be minimized in, in a tag team like that. And it wouldn't elevate him. There's a difference between having someone really good uh, to elevate the other guy. But I just don't see Kip being elevated by Miro, especially who's trying to establish himself in AEW. I think this is going to become squashed. As you know, all the weddings you mentioned, all the weddings turn south. Uh, and I think there's going to be a turn between them. Uh, maybe Kip kind of forcing Miro's hand here, but I just don't see that going on because uh, there's too much money to be made with Miro to just stick him with Kip Sabian, who, who can't even get over Penelope. I would love them to have the wedding and have it go smoothly so AEW could say they got a bunch of wrestling <laughs> fans to watch a wedding. <laughs> just, just, so, just a normal wedding. <laughs> Better than worse than Brian Cage's? Like, where would that be? Where would that be? <laughs> uh, so, um, speaking of matches made in heaven here, uh, Thunder Rosa and Sheeta teamed up to take on Diamante and Ivelisse. These four women have kind of been the women's division for the past few weeks, and I'm personally a fan of all of them. I think they all uh, look like wrestlers. They all act like wrestlers. They all fight like wrestlers. Um, Jim, 
Flobo and I disagreed on Ivalice and Diamante, at least which one we we personally back. Um, how do you feel seeing the NWA champion teaming with the AEW champion uh, and, and this match in the women's division as it compares to when we last spoke? Well, here's the thing. When we last spoke, there was no division. I think they've grown leaps and bounds over the last month and a half. I mean, it's just amazing. Now they have a division. They have something you want to watch. Arguably, at All Out, it was one of the best matches on the card, right? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Against each other, wildly you know, applauded by everyone. The thing is, this is what you need. You need established talent, even though we might not know much. Uh, about her, Thunder Rosa, because she is an NWA and, you know, how many people watch that or get access to it. The thing is now she's being visible, right? She's on AEW, whether she's there full time or not, the light is shining, right? And and now this division looks legitimate. I I think All Out was a huge, even the lead up to it, those promos were great. I I thought they really invested time in, in pushing that feud going into All Out. And I think coming out of it, it's been a home run. And what I'm seeing right now is a division that's quickly starting to rise with Serena Deeb also. That's a big signing right there. Who's proven pro and you can see how good she can work in a ring just even in her like tryout match if they bring in talents like this actual accomplished wrestlers you don't need big star names in a women's division you just need to get the women's division over if they can deliver in a ring even if they can't really do it on the mic or whatnot yet we need improvement and we're getting it right now and there's some interest in this division finally you you just don't have it was kind of an oblique place where, where nowhere to go really with you know Brid Baker and that's about it. That's all you had, you know. But now I think we're seeing expanding division, a division that's got a lot of promise. And if they keep on bringing in talents like Serena Deep and keep on expanding, I think we we have now a legitimate women's division. Yeah, I think with these four, not to mention Britt Baker is mentioned, Swole is still there, uh, Nyla Rose is still there, and not to mention once they start getting people back from injury because they have a ton of injuries and they have a bunch of people who are uh, overseas that can't come in yet. So I think they're putting it together. I think it would be very easy to kind of hot shot and fill in a bunch of people right away, but I think they're they're trying to do it the right way, the slow way, and build things up. Uh, Flobo, this match ended kind of interesting to me in the sense that it looked like Rosa and Sheeta were, they bumped into each other a few times. I felt like it was going to end with some fisticuffs, but they, they get the win and they move on. And um, it looked like they were supposed to go for opposite corner holding the titles, but I think Sheeta had something lost in translation at the end there. But overall, they seem pals. Is this kind of the end of the NWA women's run, or do you think. Uh more to come look if you're AEW, you want to hold with them the roast as much as you can it's definitely a lone situation so the more i'm reading up about nwa and their issues i'm not trying to be mr insider i'm not an insider but it's a fan just like you guys but they're willing to loan out their characters to, to, for the survivability of that brand because they don't have power going on right now it's very similar to marvel comics before they got bought by disney so you'll i knew this match going in like Feather rosa was going to get demolished by by evilies and diamante because she's the nwa champion so i it was kind of odd to see them go on the outside of it and that the ending didn't have the, the quite the visual you're looking for but it was cool to have this other universe with their champion come in and you work together about the top two heels in that division not named Britt Baker so I'm upset that Diamante took the pin I, but I really feel they're holding Thunder Rosa Ivelisse too because of all the hubbub and chatter of last week's match and and the social media so I understand why they weren't involved in the decision but overall it was pretty good it was good if not great uh, a show of the women's division and what it can be 
I wouldn't be surprised if we saw them go at it again at full gear or on their anniversary dynamite at 1014 uh, in some way. And it wouldn't shock me. I'm going to add if Thunder Rosa walked away with two championships. Mm. Uh, I kind of think that uh, I just feel like that's the way things are usually done in negotiation. Like if we let like Sheeta gets the first win, but then the big win goes to the other one. Right. Or mm. things like things like that usually happen to, My client. you know, kind of do those things. Um one of the promos, there was a ton of great promos tonight. Um, one of them, it, I felt bad because I thought the things that were said were, were good, but just a lot of great promos came in. Matt Hardy, I felt like he kind of struggled a little bit as we put together Private Party versus uh, the Inner Circle, that battle continuing with Isaiah Cassidy versus Jericho for next week. Um Jim, how'd you feel about this promo? How do you feel about a uh, private party rubbing shoulders with one of the top groups in the company? It's it's a step up. They're pushing him, right? They're, they're getting their chance now. I think they've been kind of hidden. They've been just guys in a sense. You know what I mean? They, they wrestle the undercard. They wrestle on uh, AEW Dark. Uh, you know, they'll be in a, in a battle royal part, but you never really see them distinguished, right? I, I think now... This is their their chance, right? They're getting that that opportunity, either sink or swim again, and that's what AEW does. They will give you a chance at some point. You know, it's up to you to to take it or not, and we'll see how good they are. I, I don't know what to make of them yet because we just haven't seen them consistently in any big angles, right, or in any big feuds. They've just been kind of one-off, you know, tag matches or, or whatnot. I'm interested to see that. It's also fresh faces and fresh. Uh, fresh feud too, right? In, in that instance, because we we've seen the inner soccer wrestle pretty much and feud with everyone at this point, almost yeah. you know throughout the run. So this is something new. So why not? I mean, give enough, uh, give these guys an opportunity, see something new, and there's really no downside. I don't feel. You're a Jim. You're a good judge of star power and uh, and mic work. This was the first time I think we've really seen Private Party on a microphone, uh, at least yeah. in this capacity. Uh, they're young guys. I don't expect them to be the, the finished product. But as of now, do you think that they've got potential to be great mic guys? Or do you think, don't hold your breath? Or are they like, yeah, they'll be fine? What were your thoughts of them on the mic at this point? Knowing that they're like 20 years old or like 21 right. years old. They're super well, young. I, the thing is about youth. Uh, look. MJF is, is in his early 20s and he's a master on a mic. So for me, I'm not I'm not using it as an excuse your age, right? You either have it or you don't, you know? Right. It, simple that. Some people could get from a from a level of average to above average. You can improve your mic skills. That's doable, but you can't go from, you know, just age like, well, you suck and then elite. You know, usually doesn't happen that big of a drastic change. I think they'll be fine. If they get opportunities to talk, I think they can hold their own. I, I wouldn't expect them to be in any sort of like masters on the mic i think their their appeals in ring uh work and, and mm -hmm. kind of the way you know their spots in the ring the way they they their characters are a lot more than than their mic skills so i it's good to know that they can talk if needed i think that's yeah. important but i wouldn't hold out for them being some geniuses on a mic even given their age i think mic skills are something that you innately kind of have in you and you can just polish them up but uh you don't go from nothing to something huge now, Flobo, Isaiah Cassidy, he said he's from Brooklyn, stop, Brooklyn, stop, Brooklyn. Stop. Is he is he now? <laughs> no. Is he now? No. Is he, official? is he now your favorite wrestler no. of all time? No, because I sat here for literally a year 
when they had the tag team division, everyone told me, oh, man, it's the best thing AEW has, which it kind of is. I'm not going to take that away from them. But I'm watching Private Party where a man wrestles with tails. The other guy looks like he hasn't hit the gym in a week. And you're telling me these guys are weighed and billed in vodka cranberry. 42 <laughs> ounces of vodka cranberry. And I'm supposed to take these guys serious. And all of a sudden today, I'm a kid from Brooklyn. We don't claim you, man. I hope you win next week. Congratulations. But no, you can go and claim vodka cranberry because you've been built for the past year. Done. Man, you're sending him to Long Island or something, man. Yeah, exactly. So no! you're so you're saying they're your favorite. No. <laughs> <laughs> he chaps. ain't attending their private party, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, what have... if they were in Bellas Chats, Flobo and Gio? <laughs> yeah. I would totally go, yeah. <laughs> Only hangman. Uh so we're about done, but before we go, I always like to do what I call the elite of the week that's right this is the elite of the week where i go through the top five competitors on aew starting at number five we're bringing in miro he's looking like a big old bag of beef patties all muscular and jacked new hair new tights crushing people great way to start a run at number four we've got the vampire himself cody decked in black black hair black suits he had some maroon socks on, but I thought it looked cool. He is coming back to dish out some revenge on the Dark Order, and I am thrilled to see what he's going to do. At number three, it's Eddie Kingston. He came up short, but he was given a tall order in going up against the champ with one day's notice, and he sold the whole thing with a killer promo. He made it work when it was a tough thing to do. He gets put on there for that. At number two, it's Brody Lee. He beat the Pulp out of Orange Cassidy. He beat him around the ring. He beat him in the ring, and then he cut a promo that made me so scared. I called my dad and said, Dad, please scare me. There's a boogeyman on TV. And at number one, I'm giving it to Hangman Adam Page because every Everyone has said from the beginning, Kenny Omega was the guy, but tonight Hangman Adam Page gave Kenny Omega another win that he didn't get to be a part of because he was too busy talking at the commentary desk. Hangman Adam Page, you are the elite of the week. Hangman. Hangman. Wow. Now he's <laughs> got to prove it. Now he's got to come through and keep it up. To yeah, I more. mean – I mean, he owes it to me. I put him at number one. Totally. It, I mean, it's it's the least he could do, right? Hey, um, if he picks it up, we'll trade the whiskey for some bros coffee, okay? Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know if you saw, but uh, this means a lot, being on the Elite of the Week. Uh, two weeks ago, I had Will Hobbs in the Elite of the Week, and like two days later, he was signed to a contract. I think Tony Khan saw the show and just knew that a bidding war was about to start. Does so had Tony to Khan but me? What's going on over here? Uh, <laughs> Jack gets people hired, I get people fired. Okay, this yes. is how it works. <laughs> and Flobo's stuck in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> so he so just gets the... out of Brooklyn. No, no, he gets yeah, yeah. out of Brooklyn. Yeah, get, get out yeah. of Brooklyn. That's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's the show. That's everything. Uh, but before we go, as always, we like to pitch our stuff, shell it, try to make some money. Jim Alexander, where can the world find you? Uh, they can read the screen and at the D Jim Alexander on social media, Twitter, Instagram, real talker still the place that's R E E L talker. I haven't, I might get another man fired and his name is John Morrison. I got a big interview coming hidden about tomorrow. So, uh, 
boy, I, I hope he might show up in AEW soon. You never know but with my <laughs> interviews, but it, it's a good one. Uh, a lot of good stuff coming out from John Morrison uh, about liking to wrestle without a crowd. Okay, some little tidbit there. Oh. Um, <laughs> so we should get used to calling him Johnny Dynamite, it sounds like. I that is, that does possible. have a ring to and it. You know what? Hey, for all you AEW fans, I did ask him it, how close he was to signing with AEW. So there's a there's an answer there, too. So there you go. Definitely one to check out. Jim, you always have great interviews. You always get really interesting information, not the stuff that everyone asks. Uh, so check out Real Talker for sure. Flobo Boyce, um, I know we're running late, but uh, is there any way you could say all the shows you're on in under 45 minutes? <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> nope yo it's uh Aflobo boys on social media especially on twitter it's your boy i do what's up flobo what's up Flobo after hours i do uh draped in gold the nxt and nxt uk after show with the man jack farmer the everything tournament we talked about pop culture that's on tuesdays with evan mack and heidi mack the max of winterfell and coming next month the official fan-centric star trek discovery post show commander's log and it's all under right there on my youtube channel youtube.com slash flobo boys and he never sleeps, folks. He never sleeps. <laughs> no, no, I don't think he ever leaves that spot he's in right now. Uh, I got a nice ass groove in my chair. That's it. <laughs> you got some assless chaps there? Yeah. It's a, it's no, a it's buttless, buttless chaps groove. <laughs> <laughs> buttless. You got to emphasize the B. You buttless. <laughs> the, uh, so you can find me at jackcfarmer.com as well as at realjackfarmer across all social media. You can also check out the show, The Anytime Radio Show, at theanytimeradioshow.com, where I play music by request from all of you. So let oh. me know what you want to hear. You can also get some cool merch there, or you can go to realjackfarmer.throwthis.com, buy some t shirts, support the Bro, what do you say, Flobo? Support, Support the homie. The, homie. That's uh, cool too, the yeah. bro. <laughs> Buy some Broasters coffee. I've been saying Broasters coffee too long. www.thebroasters.com. And of course, check me out on the Everything Tournament. Check me out on Draped in Gold. Check me out on this show. I also interviewed Vampiro for the Wrestling Chatter along with George Hermosa. And okay. I asked the question that he said was literally the greatest question he's ever been asked in his entire life. So. Yeah. Question, when you, I go to brosers.com and I get the dope coffee, is there a promo yeah. code I should use? That's a fantastic question. You can use bro code one. You're going to get a discount as well as possibly a little bit of swag thrown in there yeah. as well. And so use www.thebrosters.com. Use promo code bro code one. Flo, but that's why I love you. You're catching, catching my promo code. You guys are offering <laughs> stuff. I'm just like getting people fired. This is not fair. I'm not making it bad. These powers are good. Goods, okay? <laughs> You're you dealing information and interviews, Jim. That's what you do. But uh, but that's it from us. That has been a lead of the week. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, do your best and be yourself.